This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg, Christian Family Church. What a blessing it is to minister to you again today. I hope you are enjoying your summer. We are not enjoying our freezing, cold, icy winter. The temperatures are below freezing here. And uh, so we're looking forward to spring, which I know that puts you in autumn. And I'm not sure you're going to be liking that very much. But anyhow, it is what it is. All right. So today we continue with our series, The Supernatural Power of Intercession. And uh, you might have seen the, the message I sent out to everybody during this last week, uh, explaining that if all hell breaks loose, when the dust settles, those who know how to pray will be left standing. And those that don't, I feel sorry for them, even Christians. We need to know how to pray. We're living in a world that has many serious problems overseas, internationally, and also locally. And we have some serious problems here in South Africa right now, as you know. And uh, prayer can change that. God can change that. It's important to use faith in these matters. But without indecision, it'll not change. It'll not change. Because intercession allows the Holy Spirit to go into the very heart of a man and start working with him, massaging him, bringing his thoughts into harmony with his word, with God's word, and bringing them to a place of deliverance to where they understand that they need Christ. It brings them to salvation. It helps people understand where they're making wrong choices. So intercession allows God to do all that, praying in, the, in other tongues. But just speaking faith is important, and that will work for you individually, but it's not the best plan or the best prayer for a nation or for other people. Intercession is. Intercession is. So, yes, we must speak positive. And we must exercise our authority over the demon spirits. But where individuals or government or a group of people are open to demonic interference and direction in their life, it's not going to make any difference because we have authority, but we don't have authority over other people's will. God won't violate anybody's will. If they want to go to hell, they go to hell. God won't stop them. But intercession, you see, where faith will not work for that situation, but intercession will work because it allows God to continually draw them in their heart and speak to them and and negotiate with them, and, and, and encourage them. So eventually, if we'll keep interceding, we shall win. And those that 
don't want to change, God will remove them and replace them. That's the power of intercession. So what we're talking about here now, South Africa, is vital to the survival of this nation. All right, are we ready? So we are dealing with part two in our series, The Supernatural Power of Intercession. What is the meaning of the word intercession? Intercession, in its simplest definition, is someone who stands on behalf of another an intercession, an intercessor is one who takes the place of another. For example, a lawyer is one who represents another. He pleads their case in court. In a spiritual sense, an intercessor is one who stands on behalf of another, who pleads their case in prayer. They know the law of the new covenant and therefore are able to represent others in prayer before God. That's the role of the intercessor. Every believer in Christ is called to the ministry of intercession. This is not just for some few. It's for all of us. This was the role of the Levitical priesthood in the old covenant. This is the role of the church in the new covenant. And you can see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 9. All right, let's look at an Old Testament example of the prayer of intercession. Let's look at Abraham, who interceded for his nephew Lot. Abraham spoke with God on behalf of Lot, who dwelt in the city of Sodom. He dwelt in the city of Sodom. You'll see that in Genesis 18. So Lot lived in Sodom. But Abraham spoke to God on his behalf, interceded in his behalf. All right. The Lord appeared in the form of a man to Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Skip down to verse 23. Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? All right, so God went in the form of man to see Abraham, his covenant friend, to tell him what he's going to do to the city of Sodom. And Abraham asks him, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? So God obviously, obviously told him here, I'm going to destroy the city. 24. Abraham says to God, Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes, destroying the righteous along with the wicked? Why? 
you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Now let's skip down to verse 31. And Abraham said, Indeed, now I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but one more time. Suppose 10 should be found there. He said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. All right. Abraham asked God not to destroy the city if he could find 10 righteous people living in Sodom. And Abraham stopped praying when he got to 10. Question, what if Abraham had continued to ask on behalf of the people of Sodom? Is it possible that the cities may not have been destroyed, that they might have been spared? Well, we don't know the answer to that. But we'll never know because Abraham stopped. It's possible. So we know that God did destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he first took Lot and Lot's wife and their two daughters out of the city before he destroyed it. All right, we have another example. His name is Moses. Moses interceded on behalf of Israel before God. Moses is a great example of someone who made an intercession on behalf of the people of Israel. Moses had a deep desire to see the children of Israel walk with God and fulfill God's will and plan for their lives. Let's see that in Exodus 32 and verse 7. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. What's going on here? Well, we know that Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, which God burnt out of the rock face with fire. And he took those stones, tablets, and God said to him, quickly now, go down the mountain because the people of Israel have corrupted themselves. Verse 8, how quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone, Moses, so my face and anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great 
nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. Listen to the words of Moses now. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Verse 12, Moses says, why let the Egyptians say, the Lord rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. So Moses says the Egyptians are going to say, you see, God took them out with the intention of destroying them in the mountains. If you destroy them and make me, uh, make me into a new nation. So now, watch this. Moses came before God asking or using the words of the covenant that he made with Abraham. He reminded God of the everlasting agreement they had made with his people. And let's read this now. This is wonderful. Verse 13. Here Moses is speaking to God, negotiating with him, reminding him of the covenant. All right. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath. In other words, God, uh, Moses says you bound yourself with a covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To them saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. That's what you said, God. Okay? So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Great example there of Moses interceding for Israel who don't realize how close they were coming to getting blotted out. God was so angry with them, and rightly so. So we see God can change his mind if we intercede. All right, example number three. The prophet Samuel interceded on behalf of Israel. Israel asked God for a king, and God reluctantly gave them a king against his own will. God didn't want to do it, but they wanted it, so God gave them a king. Sometimes we get stuff we ask for, and it's not the best for us. We be careful what we ask for. Samuel, who was the judge of Israel and a prophet, let me just say this about that statement. Whatever God promises us in his word, we can have. All right. Samuel, who was the judge of Israel and a prophet, was retiring from leading the nation because now the king, Saul, is about to take over. We are about to read his retirement address to the nation of Israel. This is now the prophet and judge, Samuel, his retirement address. 
He says he will continue to intercede on behalf of Israel. His address is found here in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23. As for me, Samuel says, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. So Samuel explains, for me not to pray for you would be a sin. Wow. What about us? Absolutely. God told us to pray for everybody everywhere. There was not a recommendation, child of God. That's an instruction. And to disobey God is a sin. <laughs> the way I understand it, right? The verse carries on. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. All right, so we read about the compassion of Samuel for his nation in that verse. God's intercessors know God's heart for his lost creation and stand on behalf of them to ask for mercy. God's intercessors know how God feels about his lost creation. Unsaved people are not God's children. I've heard people say, everybody on the planet is God's children. No, everybody on the planet is not God's children. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were the children of the devil. These are the re religious leaders of Israel. He said, your father is the devil, right? No, all people are not God's children. They are God's creation, but the born again ones are his children. Intercessors know God's heart for his lost creation and stand on behalf of them to ask for mercy. On behalf of them, they stand in their place to ask God for mercy for them. The main function of the old covenant priestly office was intercession. Read time and again how Israel broke God's covenant which resulted in a curse coming upon them. God does not delight in judgment. He delights in mercy. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Where is another God like you who pardons the sins of the survivors among his people? You cannot stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing mercy. Say that, please. God delights in showing mercy. All right, go to Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. God says, Say to them, as assuredly as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Why will you die, O house of Israel? So God tells them to turn. He doesn't want to punish them. God looked for someone to stand in the gap for Israel. So he would not have to judge them or destroy them. 
is looking for an intercessor to stand in the gap. We can see that in this verse here. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Hmm. So God could not help them because he could not find someone to pray for them. It seems like God can do nothing for us unless someone intercedes. That's what he's saying. He says, I'd like to help you. I can't unless someone intercedes. God needs us to pray before he's able to change the sinner's heart, before he's able to lead them to repentance. He cannot do it without our prayers. Intercession places a demand on God's mercy on the behalf of a person or on behalf of a situation. When I talk about intercession, I'm talking about travailing in prayer in tongues, other tongues. All right, let's go to the New Testament now. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God doesn't want anybody to die. He wants everybody to repent. That's the heart of God. God is a restorer, family. He's a restorer. Jesus came as our intercessor. He is the great mediator between God the Father and man, as found in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. He is the greatest of all intercessors, the Lord Jesus Christ. The most wonderful example of an intercessor. For this purpose, the Son was manifest to destroy, undo the work of the wicked one. Say that. Jesus Christ came to undo the work of Satan. You can see it in 1 John 3 verse 8. All right, Isaiah 59, please, in verse 17. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robes of vengeance and godly fury. What's all that about? He put on righteousness as his body armor and clothed himself with robes of vengeance and his helmet of salvation on his head. What's this talking about? This is the same armor that we put on in he found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 that the church put on. This is Christ here. This is talking about Christ coming to earth to take our place on the cross 
and fight our battles against the devil, against sickness, against poverty, and against death. It says he put on righteousness as his body armor and salvation as a helmet on his head and the robes of vengeance. So let's talk about that to find out what this is referring to. Jesus put on the robes of vengeance against Satan, against Satan. In other words, he came to fight the devil and conquer him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, his righteousness. He stood in his own righteousness on our behalf and paid for our sin. He paid our sin debt to God, but he stood there in his own righteousness and took our sin. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. So we see then when we stand in righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. It's the righteousness he stood in when he took our place against Satan, when he took our sin and all of that. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. That's talking about the folks on the cross next to him who died. And he bore the sin of many and made an accession for the transgressors. All right, so that's the Old Testament telling us what Christ will do in the future. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that and all came to pass. Yes, Jesus Christ is our mediator before God and man. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. I'm going to give you a quote here from E.W. Vine's Expository Dictionary. All right, so... This dictionary says, the word mediator is used in two different ways in the New Testament. It goes on to say, A, one who mediates between two parties with a view to producing peace between them. Again, A, one who mediates between two parties with a view to producing peace between them. All right? B, one who acts as a guarantee so as to secure something that otherwise would not be obtained. I'll read that again from the vines. One who acts as a guarantee so as to secure something that would otherwise not be obtained. That is what Christ did. He is therefore our mediator. Jesus is our guarantee. He secured salvation for us that could not be obtained any other way. Only by him going to the cross as our intercessor, when he died on the cross, he was our intercessor taking our place, only by going to the cross as our intercessor could 
he bring mankind back into fellowship with God? No other way. So we see then that Christ is the greatest of all intercessors. We are learning, we are beginning to understand what it means to be an intercessor. And that's what we are called to do. We are called with the same ministry that Christ has to carry on his ministry of intercession. Standing in the gap, interceding on behalf of those who don't know how to pray or don't pray. To bring them into salvation. Praise God. To change nations. This is the way to change nations. This is the way to change South Africa. By yielding to the Holy Ghost and praying, 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 praying in other tongues. I want to encourage you to join prayer groups. Get into intercessory prayer groups. Join prayer groups that know how to pray so you can grow in prayer. And get into prayer groups here at church. When we call for prayer, come and pray. Because without prayer, there can be no revival. There has never been a revival in history without an accessory prayer going first. And there can't be any intercessory prayer without teaching about it from the Bible first. Because Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs will follow the teaching of the Word. So intercessory prayer will only follow when we teach about it. And if we'll teach about it like this and get others to listen, then they'll start praying and God can change the nation. Amen. So we're going to do that right now. I sense a heavy spiritual calling to prayer right now among you in the church as you sit there this morning. I sense this, the Spirit of God calling us to intercede for South Africa right now. Let's just obey God and do what He wants us to do. If you know how to pray in tongues, I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet and let's take the place of the leaders of this nation who don't know how to pray and don't know God. And let's intercede on their behalf for them to change, for God to reach down in their hearts and change them and give them His wisdom to make God-guided choices. And if they don't want to change, if they don't want to follow God, then God will remove them and replace them. But if we'll travail in the Spirit, God can work in our nation. God can fix the problems. He can fix the electricity problem. He can stop the violence. He can stop the crime. He can bring peace and love and jobs and security to everybody. Prosperity for all. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. That's what a sweeping revival can bring. But it can't come without our prayers. And if we don't pray, who will? I'm asking. We just heard a message on the subject. And if we don't step up and obey God's word now, who will do it? So let's pray 
fervently. The righteous, the, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So let's stand up and let's pray, church. And uh, if you don't speak in tongues, I invite you to come to the front. Up in the front here, you have the pastors of the church and you have all the, the fellowship group leaders right up here now to come uh, to ready to serve you. And if you want to get full of the Holy Ghost, they're here to lay hands on you and pray for you. Our worship team, the musicians are going to play. The musicians are going to play. And the, the singers are going to pray in tongues with me through their microphone. Through their microphones. All right? This is going to be phenomenal. We're going to do this for a few minutes. Maybe five minutes is fine. Let's pray with all our hearts. As long as you get to a place in this time of prayer where you understand what to do, that's the main thing here. This is a training session, right? Okay. Let's voice our, our, our list of our voices and say this together. Dear God, let's try that again. We can do better than that. Dear Father God, I stand before you now in the name of Jesus. And I healed to the Holy Spirit to intercede through me on behalf of those who don't know how to pray for you to bring your plans and purposes to pass in South Africa, to deliver us from our problems, to change the hearts and minds of people and those who refuse to follow Christ, let them be removed and replaced. We intercede for all those running every department of business and authority in our nation. Let's pray. Down the bottom here. If you have received the Holy Spirit, you may go back to your seats and carry on praying. If you haven't, carry on praying for them. The rest of you, you may be seated down in your seats. Thank you. You may be seated in your seats. Thank you, worship team. All right, now, I'm going to do the altar call here. And uh, those of you that came forward for prayer to receive the Holy Ghost, you stay right up here and let the fellowship group leaders minister to you. But those of you sitting down, if you don't know the Lord, today is your day. If you don't know that you're going to heaven, today is your day. You can have that assurance in your heart. I'm going to count to three. And if you put your hand up, take one step toward Jesus, he'll take a million toward you, and he'll come right to you and give you the assurance in your heart now that you are his child, you will go to heaven, praise God, and you are forgiven. If that's what you desire, when I count three, slip that hand up, and then you will be included in my prayer when I pray, and God will come visit you right there in your seat. Are you ready? I'm counting. Slip those hands up now. One, two, three. Thank you. I invite everybody to say this prayer with me, especially those who have their hands raised. And someone's coming to put their hand on your shoulder now to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray. All right. Everybody, please say this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Today I declare you are my Savior and you are the Lord of my life. I will serve you with all my heart till I see you face to face. Praise God, I'm saved. I'm bound for heaven. God is my Father. I'm now born into the family of God. I'm God's child. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Give them all a great big praise God this morning. So proud of you for saying that prayer. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.